0: My son works at a restaurant that has a drive-through and there were two cars approaching the drive-through and one pulled in real quickly and the driver who was a woman behind that car perceived that she was cut off so she decided to communicate with that driver with the international sign language of uh, giving the bird and that was emotionally immature We shouldn't be giving people the birds. Sometimes we do and we sin, but we shouldn't be doing that. But, again, that's how she chose how to deal with that. Uh, She didn't say, hey, you know, whatever. Uh, It's going to take me a little longer to get my food. And uh, that was selfish, but just let it go. Well, what she didn't realize, if you think through it, if you're going to be involved in that type of sinful behavior you want to do it where you're from a safe distance, okay? And you don't want to, you know, be boxed in. You want to have an escape route. So she's just given this guy the bird, and she's boxed into a drive through. Not, not very smart. <laughs> so, unfortunately, the guy in front of her was even more emotionally immature than she was. So he gets out of his car, and he comes back to the car and starts just banging on the window and spitting on the window. There's a young child in the back of this car. How serving, is that? Friends, just because we look like adults doesn't mean that we have the emotional maturity of an adult. And that's what we want to focus in on this morning as we explore how Jesus can revolutionize your life, how Jesus can reframe. Your outlook in regards to your relationships. and Another way to put it, as we look through our emotional, healthy spirituality glasses, grow into an emotionally healthy adult. We're studying Peter Scissero's biblically-based curriculum. I'm teaching that curriculum on the weekends, as well as small groups are studying it. And uh, you have his book to read and other resources. And uh, we're going to be talking about how we can become more emotionally healthy. The whole thrust of this particular campaign uh, initiative, this series, is that there's spiritual health and there's emotional health. And if we become spiritually healthy, we've been talking a lot about silence and solitude with God, having a contemplative type of spirituality, And if we can be emotionally healthy, which we're going to be talking more about today, if we can interweave those, it's going to basically create an explosion in our spiritual lives of growth. We're really going to be able to experience God in a way we've never done before. Now, Jesus is very clear about what we are to do as Christ followers. And that is to love God... Spiritual health. And love people. That's emotional health. And he sums it up in what is called the Shema. And he repeats it again in the Gospels. We see it in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. This is how we should live our lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So the whole Old Testament can be summed up by loving God with everything you got and loving your neighbor, loving others as yourself. Now, when we think about loving God, that seems easier on the surface. It really isn't, but it seems easier because... The way that we disciple people in the American church is we say, okay, uh, now you're a Christ follower. You have got to uh, spend time with God. You've got to develop that relationship. You've got to pray and and read and meditate, study Scripture. Uh, You've got to cultivate that deeper relationship. And then you need to walk in the way that He wants you to walk. You need to abide in Christ. You need to, again, spend every day with Him. And then on top of that, you need to have a healthy relationship with the church you've chosen to be a part of. So you need to be in worship. You need to be involved in Christ-centered relationships that's typically small groups. You need to be involved in ministry, evangelism, sacrificial giving. Okay, so, so we have all those things out there, and we say, okay, I can do these things. And so we do these things, and we say, all right, uh, I'm loving God, and, and that might be true or not true. You might just be doing those things, and it's not making a heart connection. But the point is that, yeah, that seems pretty simple. But when we get to the flip side, when I talk about loving people, that's a little more difficult. <laughs> God's perfect, and people are not perfect. People are sinful, people are immature, people drive me nuts sometimes. So you look at James 1, 19 and 20. It says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So, we're to love people. Think about the person in the last month that you have really been angry with. Okay, that person in your mind? Now, I'm going to say to you, you know what the Bible says about that. You need to forgive that person. You need to release the bitterness toward that person. Uh, you need to love them. You need to go beyond what's even normal in loving them. And so I want you to go out that this month, and get that done by December 1st. Let's have that done, okay? (laughs) You're saying, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's impossible! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it might be impossible. And when you're dealing with people, a lot of things seem impossible. And the challenge that we have is we really do want to love people. We really want to do what God wants us to do but sometimes we just do not have the capacity to do that here's a myth that's commonly believed by many christ followers when i accepted christ and he lives in me growing into an emotionally mature adult is natural it's like i'm just going to naturally emotionally mature it's just going to something that god's going to do we look at this verse second corinthians five seventeen seems to seal the deal Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Well, there it is. I'm brand new, and I'm sure that's going to impact my emotional life as well. Well, the challenge that we have there is that, yeah, you can be involved in certain religious activities, which are important. But when it comes to dealing with an issue like anger... When it comes to dealing with sacrifice for other people, when it comes to putting their needs before yours, it has to do with a lot of different issues in terms of how you're able to do that. And one of the issues we want to really focus in on today is your emotional capacity to connect with other people. Your emotional capacity to connect with other people. Everybody has a different emotional capacity. Sometimes it's low and sometimes it's high. And it's interesting as we look at different research studies that have been done that have compared Christian behavior to non-Christian behavior. Unfortunately, there's not a significant statistical difference when it comes to divorce, when it comes to addictions, when it comes to different issues in relationship to the family. And that just is disturbing, isn't it? I mean, here, we're creations of God. We've chosen Jesus Christ, if you've done that, to be uh, your Savior. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you to live supernaturally, not like the world does. But when it comes down to the hard numbers, many people are just living like pagans live. They're living like anybody else. And that's a real problem. Why is that? Well, again, I think there are many reasons. But one of the reasons is you become a Christ follower and you engage in different things you need to do to love God. But when it comes to loving people, you only have a certain emotional capacity to do that. And therefore, you never grow in that emotional capacity. You're never discipled in that way. You're never taught, one might say, that if you're really going to connect with people, you need to become emotionally mature yourself. It's emotional discipleship, and that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be like Himself. So He was emotionally mature, He's emotionally perfect. So we need to grow to be emotionally healthy. And if we don't, we're going to be stalled out in regards to truly connecting emotionally with other people and following this command that God has given us. Cesaro in his book outlines uh, the different stages of emotional development. And he compares that with the emotional development that some adults get stalled out at. So let's look at the infant. This is in a book that you have. The infant emotional state. The infant feels a need but only can cry. An infant must wait for parents to figure it out. An infant becomes angry if a parent is inattentive. Now, if you have an infant, especially you moms, uh, the only thing they can do is cry to get your attention. And you know the cries of an infant, ladies, right? You know if it's uh, I'm hungry cry, you know if it's my diaper's dirty, you know if it's I need to be held. And I think everybody knows the angry cry. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are not taking care of me. Get in here now. Yeah, yeah, that's the nature of an infant. Well, there are some adults that are stuck at the infant stage of emotional And I think that guy at the restaurant is one of them. (laughs) No doubt about that. Uh, If you're stuck at that stage, you treat others as objects to meet my needs. You don't look at other people as uh, other creations of God that you need to respect and need to honor and need to connect with in the appropriate way. They're just people that are meeting your needs. You act like a tyrant and win through intimidation. You're not unable to empathize with others. Baby doesn't care about other people. Baby just cares about himself. And some adults never grow beyond that. They say, it's all about me. And they they don't even have the ability to empathize, to understand what another person is going through. And the amazing thing about this is that whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, you still can be an emotional infant. You still can never grow beyond where you stalled out in your life. Let's look at the emotional child. Can communicate but still dependent on others. Acts out feelings of pain, fear, and resentment. They don't tell you that they're resenting you. They act it out. They manifest anger in an unhealthy way. They withdraw. Unusual stuff. They lack skills to openly discuss and negotiate getting needs met. So typically the child doesn't sit down with you on Sunday. Okay, these are the need, needs that I have this particular week. And so how are we going to you know, make this work and have a win-win type of relationship? <laughs> <laughs> no they use guilt they use manipulation you know they just don't have those skills alright so they go about it in other ways uh, then we have um, the child uh, well, we are talking about the child so let's talk about the adult as the emotional child if you haven't grown beyond the child stage you act out resentment through distance pouting whining clinging Lying, I don't want to add another time, there's there twice, uh, withholding and appeasing. I don't know, but sometimes I'm guilty of a couple of those things, right? Uh, does not openly and honestly express needs. So we, we treat our spouse or our kids or our friends in such a way that if I whine or I pout or I cling or withhold, they're going to know why I'm upset, and they're going to treat me properly. Well, that's the way a child thinks, right? Let's say you get stalled out at the adolescent level of emotional development, rebels against parental authority, divine self and reaction to others, fears being treated as a child. Don't tell me what to do. Well, those of you who have teenagers, sometimes it can be a love-hate relationship. They love you one day, they hate you the next. They love you one day. (laughs) You don't want to get stuck there. The adult is an emotional adolescent, cannot give without feelings, uh, feeling controlled or resentful. You know, always keep score. Capacity for mutual concern is missing. Again, the idea of being able to connect and really love somebody else. Always thinking about themselves. Defensive, threatened by criticism. Now, let's talk about what an emotionally mature adult looks like. An emotionally mature adult is able to ask for what they need, want, prefer, correctly, directly, honestly, and respectfully. Desire for a relationship to win. Able to listen with empathy. Willing to risk saying what is needed without attacking. Respects others without having to change them. Able to resolve conflicts maturely and negotiate solutions. Give themselves and others room to make mistakes and not be perfect. Hmm. That's beautiful, isn't it? And I look at that list and I say, well, I've grown a lot of areas, but I need to grow a lot more. If that were to truly uh, reflect my life on a daily basis. So the question is, where are you? Now, if you're an emotional infant, you're probably not going to tell anybody. (laughs) But you know it. Maybe the Holy Spirit convicted you and said, that's where you're at. You're still crying and whining all the time. Or maybe you're an emotional child or an emotional adolescent. Or maybe you mix them, per se, in different ways and you say, yeah, I'm weak in that area and... uh, What God wants to do is to holistically heal us. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. He wants to restore us to whatever degree here on the sinful earth that we can to be like Jesus. And that is emotionally. He wants to work deep within our lives. And we need to be willing to let Him do that. Let's look at a... Well known parable that speaks to this issue of emotional maturity. The Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. An expert in the law comes to Jesus Christ and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Christ says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. But he wasn't satisfied with that. So he said, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Well, we read in verse 30. and implied Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, back in that day, it was very dangerous to travel alone because you always had that risk of robbers overtaking you. And especially on this particular road down to Jericho, you're going down and Going through a lot of different rock formations and a lot of places for robbers to hide. And so they jumped this guy, they robbed him, they beat him until he was almost dead. Verse 31 A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So you have a Levite and priest. Now they. They realize Jesus is talking to a religious crowd here. These are people who think they have it together. And this person was an expert in law, maybe a Levite or priest. They had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. They knew that you should love other people. They had taught on it. But again, many times they were not living it out in their lives. And so... This Levite and priest in this parable just walk right by. Now, why why would anybody just walk by somebody who could be dead, could be alive, but not check out the situation? Well, there's a lot of reasons given by Bible scholars. It could be that uh, they thought he was dead, and if they touched a dead body, that meant that they were unclean ceremonially, and they couldn't participate in temple ceremonies and do their job. And usually would take a week to be clean again, and they didn't want to go through that inconvenience, and they said, I'll let somebody else take care of that. Or maybe they they said, well, there's nothing I can do for this guy. I'm not a a doctor, so I'll I'll send help. Maybe they're just too busy. Maybe they're late for an appointment. Well, the next guy can take care of this guy, right? Uh, The one I I think that I resonate with is fear. These robbers had just done this to the guy. And so I'm thinking they're still here. I maybe have more loot on me, or whatever the case might be. I might have nicer clothes, and it's so therefore I'm not sticking around to help this guy. Again, I'll send some help. So they both walk right by, right by him. Now, Jesus doesn't give why they walked by, but the point is, is that they did not have uh, eyes to see what was really going on. So we look at verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So here we have this uh, Samaritan. And the Samaritan walks by. Now, the Levite and the priest, they saw him with their physical eyes, but the Samaritans saw him with the eyes of compassion. The eyes of the heart. And here he said, here is this poor soul who has been beaten. This man needs my help. And so he just bandages him, tries to take care of his medical needs, puts him on the donkey, takes him to the inn, says, please care for this man until he can get back up on his feet. And I'll pay any of the extra expenses when I return for my trip. Now, this was a man who was emotionally healthy. This was a man who acted out of compassion. That word pity is compassion, the same word used for Jesus Christ when he said he was full of compassion for people. That's what an emotionally healthy person does. They see things through compassionate eyes. And they act upon that. They they help the person. They love the person. They minister to the person. And that's what Jesus Christ wants from us. To really love people. Where the Levite and the priest They didn't do that. Now, the kicker to this parable, as you all know, is the fact that it was a Samaritan. And the Jews hated Samaritans. They despised them. Different races, different political views. They knew the Samaritans were going to hell and they were glad of that. There was so much animosity. So for Jesus to make... The Samaritan, the hero of the story was <laughs> going like Did I hear that right? Did he say say a Samaritan? <laughs> it, it was like what? You're you're saying the Levite and the priest they were the uncaring people, but a Samaritan was the one who's who's the one we should be impressed with and say, Yeah, he's the guy. That didn't sit real well with these religious types that were listening to Jesus Christ. And that that's the beauty of the parables. They're so powerful in communicating biblical truth. And so he was saying, you guys don't have hearts of compassion. You think you have this great relationship with God, but you're incredibly emotionally immature. You're not letting Jesus Christ move into the interior of your soul and do the work to clean out the pride and the hypocrisy and everything else that's keeping you from truly loving people. And that is directly related to loving God. If you if you don't love people, you really can't say you're loving God. Gee, they say they, that we'll know that we're disciples of Christ by our love. So if you're not loving people and you're just going through all the motions of being religious You're wasting your time. Because the more you love people in a healthy way, the more that reflects your true love relationship with God. So, we go on in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell under the hands of the robbers? Now, this really puts the expert in a box, right? He knows what the right answer is, but... He can't even say the word Samaritan. The expert in the law replied, The one. <laughs> he didn't say the Samaritan, right? The one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him. Go and do likewise. Jesus Christ said, Go and love people. Go and have compassionate eyes. Go and sacrifice your time and energy. To help those people. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, so what we're talking about here is really emotional discipleship. Emotional discipleship. Again, the church has not enough addressed this issue. And this is one of the beauties of this initiative that we're talking about, the series we're going through, that we really need to look at our emotional capacity to connect with other people. And it's not something we need to look at, it's something that we really need to work at. We really need to let God do the work in our lives. And one of the things that we know is that uh, your family of origin, whoever your caretaker, or a caregiver that was, whether it be your parents, your grandparents, or whoever was taking care of you. In those early years of life, in your childhood, the way that they connected with you, the way that they cared for you, made an indelible impression on your life. And it kind of set a baseline for your ability to emotionally connect with other people. Now think about, let's say mom and dad. Think about your mom and dad. And think about simple question. Did your mom and dad comfort you when you went through a difficult time? Not just skinning your knee, but I mean, a friend betrayed you, you got cut from the team, you didn't get the part in the play or some other big event happen in your life. You remember your mom and dad coming beside you and just letting you cry, listening to you, encouraging you, comforting you. You remember something like that? Or how about just emotional development? Did did your mom and dad nurture you in your emotional life? And that that's the idea that you help your child to grow emotionally and therefore whatever stage they are in development you appropriately talk to them about their emotions and and when they get angry and things like that and you have to discipline you spend some time with them and say listen this is why i had to do that and you know you were angry but there's proper ways to handle, handle angry Anger. Anger is normal. You're going to be angry at different things throughout your life. It doesn't mean it's sinful, but the way you handle that angry, that that was wrong and sinful. And so let's think about how we might handle that next time. Or when your child is just overwhelmed, just to, to sit with them and listen to them emote. Give them permission to emote. Many of you grew up in families where you just stuff the feelings. I don't want to hear about it. Just move on with life, you know. Uh, be strong, and, and that really affected your emotional development. It's interesting as parents today that parents invest a lot of time and energy in developing their children intellectually, academics, making sure they go to the right schools, right colleges, that they study hard. There's a lot of emphasis put on that and, and should be the case to a certain degree to help your child develop in that way. There's also an emphasis on helping children to develop socially. Uh, Kids are involved in all different types of activities. uh, Football, baseball, hockey, soccer, dance, cheerleading, and the list goes on and on. Right? So we want our kids to learn how to get along with other children and develop skills. That's, that's, That's good. But Sometimes we don't help our kids develop emotionally. We don't invest a lot of time and energy in that way because maybe we're emotionally immature and don't even know how to do it. But that's so important. Some of you have gone through very difficult childhoods. Some of you have come from divorced homes, very traumatic event in your life. Some of you have grown up in homes where one or more of your caregivers was an alcoholic. Some of you have grown up in homes where, for whatever reason, one or more of your caregivers was emotionally absent. They just they were there, but they weren't there. Some of you grew up in homes uh, where you were verbally abused, uh, physically abused, sexually abused. Yeah. Sin is a terrible thing, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that that has uh, limited your emotional capacity to connect, to love, to connect and love your spouse, to connect and love your kids, to connect and love with other people. But here's the great news: is that as you let Jesus Christ into your life and you let Him empower you and and work within you, that You can work through that baggage and you can increase your emotional capacity to love people and see people in a different way. And that's the beauty of it. I'll tell you a little more about my story. We talked about this several weeks ago, but I grew up at a a wonderful church in Rockford. And I think of uh, my mom and dad. Again, they were great parents. They really were uh, so many good things about them. But they had weaknesses, like all of us do. And I was a very sensitive child. I uh, struggled with anxiety. And just very impressionable. So, again, there are a lot of issues that made me who I am today. And But, again, parents are a big part of it, so... My dad had a critical spirit, as I've shared before, and so he wouldn't criticize us. He was very loving and always comforted me, all that kind of stuff. But he would criticize other people. So I'm thinking here, okay, how am I going to be accepted? How am I going to be loved by other people? And then my dad would just, you know, continually talk about people on TV here. Especially politicians, that kind of thing, you know. And, and so he would say, you know, what was wrong with all these people? And I said, well, if I'm going to be accepted and loved by my dad, well, I can't be like that. So I had all this list of people in my mind or characteristics. I, I can't do that. And then my mom, on the other hand, uh, she was uh, a people pleaser, and so she continued to coach me on how to always uh, treat people in the right way because her her fear was that people would be mad at her for some reason, okay? That she would say something wrong. So I, I picked that up. I said, okay, well, if I'm going to be accepted by people, i got to say the right thing. i got to treat them in the right way and those kind of things. Now, again, I'm not blaming my mom and dad. I love them so much. And it's not like they got together every evening and said, now what are you going to say to Dan tomorrow? And uh, how are you going to mess him up, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, they were just trying to do life. They, were, they didn't realize what they were doing. And, and again, my brothers, it's interesting, my brothers, I, they, they grew up in the same home, right? It's always fascinating to, to compare yourself with your, your siblings. And my, my, my one brother really did pick up a critical spirit from my dad. And my other brothers, they were impacted in different ways, so we're all different. And so, so what I did was I said, well, you know, I've got to try to be as perfect as I can here. I don't want to hurt anybody, and I want to... And I was a Christian that also kind of fed into it in regards to, okay, I want to please God and that kind of thing. And so all those things kind of came together where I just went out there and every day I felt I had to have to have perfect relationships with people. That I could never say anything that would hurt them. And if if I did think that I hurt somebody, many times I would go back and say, did I hurt you by saying this? You know, I want to apologize uh, for that. And uh, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about that. And, uh, and so... But you know what? I mean, everybody thought I was I was a great kid. I mean, and on the exterior, I was. I can't remember getting disciplined many times uh, because I always obeyed pretty much. And I uh, never had a time of rebellion uh, in my life. And, you know, everybody, not everybody, but many people would say, you know, what's the deal with Dan? You know, why is he just so obedient and uh but you know what was going on is that uh, was, there's was a lot of dysfunction in my life at that point. You know, I was stuffing my anger because I couldn't show it to anybody, or <laughs> that wouldn't be good uh, if I want to get people's acceptance in that way. And I, um, um, I, uh, I was really loving people for the wrong reason. You know, I was loving people for. Being accepted and, and all that kind of stuff. And and therefore, even though on the outside it looked like you know, here is this spiritual young man you know caring for people. And to a certain degree I was, but part of it was very dysfunctional. And that was the imprint, part of the imprint that was on my life that really put a cap on my emotional maturity. And I'll just let you know that, you know, it's been a lifelong journey to deal with those issues in my life. And I still deal with them today. Now, um, the good news is that God does miraculous things in your life if you allow Him to. And He has worked deeply in my life in so many ways over the years and even now. He continues to work deeply in helping me to root out all this stuff and just really express my emotions and You know, not just depend upon people's opinions of me and things like that. And, you know, I can tell you after being through a very long journey, difficult journey, that when you get on the other side, it's really good. You know, even though I still struggle, but it's a lot better than it was. I'll tell you that. And uh, so the point here is you've got to acknowledge the fact that you grew up in a certain home and certain things happened and, that that put a cap on your emotional capacity to love. Then you also need to realize that a part of discipleship is letting Jesus in in order to increase your capacity to love by, be, by rooting out all of those wrong messages that were sent to you. Uh, again, whatever messages you got when you were a kid about your emotions and dealing with emotions and loving people, he, he he can change you. Now I know some of you are saying, "Dan, you know, appreciate your story, but uh, take me about two hours to tell my story." I mean, I I am just so messed up. <laughs> it's better if I just move on and just leave that be. I'm doing okay. I'm managing. I'm making it through life here, and it's just a waste of time. I know there's some people who just checked out a long time ago on me. As I go babble, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Harrison. Let's talk about the day. Let's talk about obeying God. Well, I am. But you have to look back to to do that and let Jesus do a new work in your life. And, and I, want to, I want to speak to you, those of you who buried stuff and those of you who don't want to go there. That yeah, is scary. It's tough. It's difficult. But if you don't go there... If you don't allow Jesus in to transform you, you're going to become a prisoner of your past. A prisoner of your past. And you're never going to be able to grow your emotional capacity through the power of God. Because you're never going to want to deal with the the junk in your life. And I've dealt with it to whatever degree I can at this point and continue to do so. And I'll do for the rest of my life. But it's worth it. Because I have more joy in my relationships today than I've ever had before. I've, I have more satisfaction. I feel closer to God than I've ever felt in my life today. I'm more dependent on God than I've ever been in my life. And you know, as I look forward, I look forward to whatever God has for me. Whatever. I mean, I don't want bad things, but they come I can trust God that He's going to continue to guide me and He's going to continue to just cultivate a deeper relationship with Him. And that's what I want to challenge you guys with. Is, uh, you know, take that first step. You're thinking, well, you know, take a year in therapy for me. <laughs> it doesn't have to happen in a moment, okay? It, it just is one step at a time day after day one step at a time if you open your heart to god god's going to guide you that's where i live and say god i got a lot of issues going on here in my life a lot of things i'm working through present past whatever tell me what to do today show me i'm broken no i <laughs> i just can't do it you know i empower me Work through me, and so start, start whatever that start looks like. journaling, just write down about your, uh, your experience and your childhood. And a lot of you have worked through all this already and you can be an encouragement to other people. and uh, please talk with me if you can't find anybody else to talk to. You know, there's a bunch of great people in our church, small group leaders and you know but talk to somebody about it. And say, this is where I'm at. What do I do? There's all kinds of books out there. Obviously, Scripture is number one. You know, just meditating on passages that really speak to your heart about whatever issues you have. And uh, But just start. Start the journey. And that's the whole idea of doing this series. You know, we keep coming back and talking about the same things, don't we? But uh, but that's the purpose. I mean, if, we, if I just talked about this one week and moved on, I'd say, okay, that's cool. It's a great idea. Someday I'll get around to it. But since we're spending like nine weeks talking about going into the interior, going through the wall, dealing with grief and loss, dealing with your childhood, hopefully the Holy Spirit is uh, knocking on your door. And just open the door. Open the door. Now know the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save us. That's the thing that we proclaim. That's the whole point of our church. But the gospel doesn't stop there friends. The gospel is Jesus Christ came to save us and set us free, to set us free. And the worst thing I can imagine is a person who embraces the gospel but never allows them to set them free in this life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being willing to save us as we celebrate earlier. and We want to be set free, Lord. We want to be set free. And if we just, day by day, continue to seek You out, to seek Your face to let You work in our lives, You will do that. Thank You, Lord. I know You've done it in my life. And I can speak from experience and Challenge my friends here. Do it. And and the eyes of uh, your compassion will grow. Grow. Your capacity to connect and love other people will grow. I pray that for them in Christ's name. Well, we have a uh, uh, surprise uh, that happened in our home makeover this past week. And it was really fun. Um, Val Searles is one of our leaders in our homemaker. Went to a garage sale a while ago and they had a, a couch selling for $1,200. So originally, it was from Marshall Fields, custom made, 15 seater. <laughs> Let's see, maybe a four sli- sleeper, I'm not sure, but um, down pillows, everything. And so, Val. Could have just walked away and said we can't afford that, but she said, you know, uh, if you ever just can't sell that thing, <laughs> you can donate it to Springbrook. So she had faith, you know, that, that God could do something here. She saw beyond the reality of today, and sure enough, they couldn't sell it. So we own a very beautiful couch. It's just part of it. Um, uh, there's a lot of parts to it. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's something to praise God for and how God provides for us. And it's all because Val had faith. And so many times we don't operate without faith. We just operate with what's today. And when it comes to giving to God, we say, okay, I can give this much to God. because This is where I'm at. But God demands faith from you in every area of your life, and your giving as well. And you need to look at the Word of God and say, what does God ask of you in regards to giving? And then you need to exercise faith and say, God, I'm not sure where the money is coming from, but I'm going to give out of faith because you've asked me to. God, of ours has come forward at this time. Lord, we all struggle with faith, Lord. We focus on reality and we don't consider the fact that you're a part of things, a God factor. I pray that we would exercise more and more faith as we give to you. In Christ's name, Amen.